everyone, Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from beautiful Malibu, California, we've got Terry Hale. Terry, how are you doing today? Excellent, Dave. How about yourself? Fantastic. Now, Terry's a very experienced real estate entrepreneur who focuses on the commercial space. So I'm excited to find out all about that. We're also excited to find out a little bit more about seller financing in the commercial space. So that's something I'm very, very curious about. So Terry, we'll get into your backstory in a little bit, but to get started with, why don't you just give us your definition? What does commercial real estate mean to you? What is that for somebody who's relatively new to the real estate investing game? Right. Well, someone new to the space, they may look at commercial and think it's big and scary, big, tall buildings, right? That's kind of the perception that's pushed out there. And you have to have perfect credit and tons of money and really have all that uh, that wherewithal and, and credibility to get into it. And so that's a misconception. That's not. That's not what commercial is. Commercial in my world, Dave, it's anything that's five plus units for multifamily. There's different sectors within the commercial real estate business. So we have Everything from, as we know, multifamily, right? Those are apartment buildings, five plus. We have self-storage, which I'm very heavily invested into. We have mobile home parks, which aren't typically my favorite property types because, you know, during COVID and situations with lack of stimulus checks and, and 50 million people un- unemployed, they might want to ask for forgiveness. It's a little hard to get the rent money out of them. But the ambulatory care, congregate living, warehouses, retail, office space, all of that is commercial. But I focus on recessionary-proof properties, the ones where during a, a cyclical downturn and history repeats itself, which we know that that happens, I want to be able to have a portfolio property that actually can stand up to that recession. And that's why I love the, the multifamily. And there's a little niche within that and also the self-storage. Those are my two main property types. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Perfect. And, and why would you say that those two are fairly recession-proof or recession-resistant? People always need a place to live. And it's unfortunate, but when people lose their houses and you know the house buying business, that's like a feeding frenzy during a down cycle. So a lot of people, if they go into a foreclosure status, they move into affordable housing, which is your apartments. And of course you got you know A class, which is the expensive stuff, the B class, which is middle of the road, the C class and C minus, which are in the smaller tertiary markets, but on the outskirts that are, are like low income housing. And so that's a recessionary property type because people always gravitate towards that affordable housing. And then the self-storage, it's like a nuisance rent. People keep stuff for the darndest reasons, Dave. I mean, I've had customers that are in there for like five years. And finally, when they go and really check and see what they're paying money every single month for that nuisance, you know, 50, 60, 70 bucks, they find out that it's just a bunch of garbage. And so that's like the little known secret is to uh, set it and forget it model. And people, nostalgic value, sentimental value, where people, they just like to hoard stuff. Self-storage is definitely recessionary proof because of the small payment. Well, yeah, not only that, but I mean, like you're saying, when, when times are tough, people have to downsize affordable housing, but they, they're loath to get rid of their crap. So they, where do they have to put it? They have to put it in self-storage, right? And when times are good, they're buying more crap and they have to put it somewhere. So they put it in self-storage. So it's kind of a a win-win scenario with this. Right. And don't forget about the businesses that get shut down due to, you know, these corporate conglomerates and this online takedown. I mean, mom and pop, I love shopping at mom and pop. I support all of our local stores. And anytime I travel, I always support the local stores. I try not to buy online. That's just the way I do things. But, you know, fact is, man, we see empty boxes all over the place. So these businesses, when they shut down, they have to put all their stuff somewhere. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but very, very, very true. Yeah. So, Terry, talk to me a little bit about seller financing and the kind of deals that you're doing. Where you piqued my interest there when you're talking about you like to focus on multifamily, but there's a niche within that niche that you really like to look at. So, tell us a little bit about uh, both of those. Sure, sure. And just a, just a tad bit of just my backstory, because I think it's important that people, they understand that, you know, I have 25 years in this business, Dave. And when I started out, I, I met this person who was doing commercial, but they were doing it the conventional way. And this really transitions right into seller financing and the reality of it. So, you know, I worked with this gentleman for about five years and I finally got my financial legs. So I was independent and I could actually walk in and get a loan because that's what I was taught how to do the business. And I did that for an additional two years. And then the bank said, Terry, we like you. We know you know what you're doing. You've got a great portfolio, great credibility, but we just can't loan you any more money. And I said, why? They said, because your debt to income ratio sucks. And I said, debt to income ratio? They go, yeah, you guarantee too much debt. And those properties you're buying at retail, they're not producing enough income to cover the debts, your risk. So I hit the wall, babe, and I had to reinvent myself. And that's why I re you know, reverse engineered my thinking. I started looking, instead of buying retail property on a capitalization rate, buying property at retail, I started looking at more of the distressed property that are not bankable. These are properties that couldn't qualify for bank financing. You know, a banker would laugh at you and you know, a hard money lender would laugh at you. you know, what, what, what kind of properties are you talking about? What are, what are we looking at here? I got one right now at 30% occupancy. It's a class A self-storage facility right outside of Jonesboro, Arkansas. It was built in 2018. A developer built it. They don't know how to market it. It's sitting right now at 30% economic occupancy. It can't qualify for a bank loan. It's got three additional acres on the backside. So I ended up getting the thing with seller financing because I told them there's two ways I could buy it. One way, here's the price. They didn't like the price I gave them because I was trying to buy it at 20 cents on the dollar. Right. And they said, this is a brand new build. I said, yeah, but it's not filled. And it's all about the numbers on the income. And they said, well, what do you propose then if we're not going to take that offer? I said, you become the bank. They said, well, how does that work? I said, well, we create a seller finance note. And they said, well, we have debt already on the property. I said, that's okay. We wrap debt. It stays in senior first, first lien position, which is senior debt. Then I put down a down payment. And then the difference goes into second position on a seller finance note. And I told them everything that I do is non-recourse. I never personally guarantee loans because when I got hit by the bank and they told me my debt to income ratio got rocked, I didn't like that. And I knew that I was in harm's way with risk. So now everything that I do is all non-recourse. So all your listeners, non-recourse means no personal guarantee. And structuring these deals in a way with seller financing is amazing. I got on that deal. It's actually Brooklyn, Arkansas, right outside of Jonesboro, eight minutes away. I got that deal for 36 months at four and a half percent interest, no personal guarantee. And yeah, and I snagged it. For so, so, then, so then your goal, if I reading it right, is obviously bring your expertise to the table bring it up to 80, 90, 100% occupancy, get it revalued with the bank at that time. It's going mm -hmm. to be worth a crap ton more than what you paid for it, even with the seller financing. Cash everybody else, get the conventional financing at that point. Is that correct? Yeah. And still there's um, Alte lending, so we can still go after non-recourse. And, and that's the difference. So it's an actual formal closing. So now I'm not doing LTP, which is loan to purchase. When I go to that alt alternate lender, who does non-recourse, it could be a point or two higher on the interest, but it's great because it's non-recourse. Right. And then it's on the LTV, which is the loan to value. And just as you said, I lock it in for this price. I create the value by filling vacancy, raising rents and adding profit centers and lowering my expenses. We, we don't have management on these. We automate and modernize them. So there's a fraction of the actual cost for management. So all that value add, I mean, the property will be worth like 1.3 and I tied it for like seven and change. Nice. 
So Terry, back in the day when you first kind of figured this out, what were some of the other examples of kind of properties that you're finding that were distressed like that? So when I started out, I was actually buying retail, Dave. That was yeah. that was the problem. So when, but, when you when the light bulb went off and you realized that you're you hit the wall and you I, reinvented yourself, then what kind of properties were you finding? Well, that was the struggle. When I first started out, I was competing, and competition is fierce in, in all businesses. So when you start looking at things in multiple dimensions and you start thinking out of the box, that's exactly what I did. Remember, I said earlier about the multifamily with the niche. So what I started focusing on was not the small stuff that the starter investors were looking at. I stayed away from buying with a capitalization rate formula, which is basically your gross income minus expenses equals your NOI, which is a net operating income. And the formula is your NOI divided by the purchase price equals a cap, which is a double digit or single digit. And people are looking for high double digit you know, caps because that way they're buying aggressively. And so I stopped looking at that formula. I started looking at, at costs per net rentable square feet. And I started looking at dollar per door. And I knew that if I could buy it for a certain dollar per door and apples to apples with light deferred maintenance, I can get it to market rent and market occupancy to a neighboring actual building that was, that was the light kind and quality. I know that I could create a tremendous amount of value. So I had to get away from competition. I had to get away from the REITs, the real estate investment trusts, any Wall Street money dealing with huge property. So I found this little cookie cutter niche. And then I started looking at, okay, ownership. If somebody owned that thing for about 20 years, then at that point in time, they're probably more than likely ready to retire. So I started focusing on those properties for ownership of that length of time. And we focused on anywhere between a 20 unit to 60 unit. And that was really the sweet spot. And that only takes one manager and a little bit of salary to have them on site. And of course, they would be like uh, we refer to on the East Coast, the super, where they can actually turn a wrench and work on some running toilets and things of that nature. And those people are not hard to find. Very, very cool. So you found that sweet spot, 20 to 60 units. And then I would imagine if I'm reading between the lines, right, you're going directly after the owners of these kind of properties that have had them for 20 plus years. That's really what you're focusing on. And that helps. So they're not even listed yet. You're not competing against anybody else. You're going direct to the owner. Would that be? Yeah. At that point in time, yes. But then we also found another hidden niche within that. And finding is like one of the key pillars to success. You know, there's six steps. You got to find it, pre-screen it, evaluate it, structure it, negotiate it, and then facilitate it. And about facilitating, I always say educate and delegate. I'm not one to do, you know, these collection calls, listen to crocodile tears, and that's the thing about self-storage is they put it on auto pay where multifamily, you know, you're dealing with someone who's living in that space. And, and the other one, there's just boxes and garbage in there, right? For the most part, or precious items, might I say. <laughs> but, you know, the, the fact is, if you're doing collection calls and doing management and running over there, you want to buy close to your house, you can go over there and water the lawn on a Sunday, change light bulbs. That's a rookie move. I always say hire the professionals, let them do what they do best, focus on what you do best. And here in my firm here in Malibu, what we do here, we consider ourselves transactioneers. What we're doing is actually handling the transaction. We're picking up our phone, we're using the computer, we're locating property. And when I started really doing that type of an approach, Dave, what I started realizing is that brokers don't want to list these distressed properties because there's too many tire kickers, too many lowball offers. So I created all these relationships across the nation in key markets, not everywhere, just in the key markets where I know more U-Hauls are coming in than going out, if you know what I mean, growing appreciating markets. And 
creating those relationships with those brokers. I say, look, when you're ready to hear about a deal, you don't want to list it. You don't want to put it on your website. You don't want to spend time, energy, and money marketing it, dealing with tons and tons of tire kickers on LoopNet. Just call me, call our firm, and we'll deal with you direct. We'll help facilitate that project on a, on a seller finance deal. And they know it's not bankable. They know they're going to get a low ball offer. But with me, they know that I can pay a little bit more because there's an old saying, you know, I'll give you your price if you give me my terms. Right. Exactly. I did a 60 unit apartment building right outside of Austin, Texas that was distressed. It was literally operating at about 15% and there were problematic tenants. I bought it for 1,395,000. It was 15 fourplexes on eight acres. That was a very low purchase price to buy this property, but I also got seller financing. I got a 29 year seller finance note. I put down 5%. It was like, it was like like $53,000 I put down. I brought in a capital partner that put in 300,000 turn that property around worth millions of dollars. That's and we had to get all the tenants out. I gave free rent to a sheriff. There was a sheriff car park right in our, on our campus. And we went to work on putting lipstick on the pig and turning that property around. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Terry, time, time flies when we're having fun. I think you've written books and I think you've got all sorts of great stuff. You showed me a copy of the books that you've got. Oh, yeah, okay. two, the two best strategies to profit with commercial real estate. Right. One is a buy and hold. One is a take it, wholesale it, and collect your check today kind of an approach. Yeah. And if people want to find out more about the books, find out more about you, what should they do? Oh, it's easy. I'm one of the easiest guys to get in touch with. All they have to do is go to my website, which is my name, which is Terry Hale right here, terryhale.com. All right. You go to terryhale.com and scroll to the very bottom. There's a number you can reach me at. I'm big on support, Dave. So if they want to contact me via email, I can shoot an email to support at terryhale.com. And yeah, we can talk shop and see if we're a fit. I do uh, partnership consideration and I always look to bring on new partners and duplicate myself. That's what I do. That's what we're doing here in Malibu and I can do it with you. I can show you how to do the business too. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for your insight. Thanks Dave. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody take care and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, Hey there. Thanks for tuning into the property profits podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.